0: to another episode of what's on the pile i'm nathan besner and joining me is shane lee hey jane belcastro hello and jenner i'm back it's charlie kaufman night as we delve into two of the writers films eternal sunshine of the spotless mind a story about breakup second chances mopey jim carrey kate winslet playing manic and toby mcguire being rapey followed by Synecdoche, New York, the story of Philip Seymour Hoffman and his epic quest to mope around, be depressed, and stroke his massive narcissistic ego at every possible step. These
1: were... Hang on, you said Tobey Maguire.
0: Oh, did I? Shit. It's an an
2: understandable error. It's an understandable error. That would be acceptable, too. (laughs) Okay, yeah.
0: Have they all done a movie together? I don't think
1: they've ever done a movie together. I don't know.
0: They need to make a
2: movie together, all three of them.
3: Maybe as themselves, or as no, each
2: no. other. No, uh, getting... uh, th- That that's oh, a- That's yeah. actually a uh, a meme that's going around at this point, uh, yeah. where 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 the villain is played by Daniel Rat, or is Daniel Radcliffe played by Elijah Wood, and his sidekick is Elijah Wood played by Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, <laughs> by, by the way, I did love Elijah Wood in this movie, even though he was rapey. Yeah. Oh no, he, 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 oh, it was it yeah. was a magnificent performance as a complete douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Shane, did you actually rewatch it? Because you've
0: seen this. Uh, we're going to start with Eternal Sunshine at Spotless Mind. You and you've seen it a bunch, right?
1: Yeah. I here's how lazy I am. So I actually own this movie on disc, and it's not on Netflix anymore, which we thought it was. Uh, so I I looked up if it was streaming anywhere, and found it on Amazon with ads. And instead of putting my disc in or walking across the room, I actually watched this movie with ads. Um, and wow. just mute. It just muted it during the ads. and There were a lot of ads. Each ad section was like two minutes long which uh,
2: i have to allow i am genuinely curious as to what ads they thought would be a good idea to place in eternal shun sign of the spot uh, i think it was mostly insurance i don't know i, I just muted it. <laughs> the <ads were> <laughs> i i th- i i think they may have been on to something there. insurance and prescription medications probably would be an absolute <laughs> slam dunk for this picture yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, I actually have a bit of history with this movie. Do you want me to go into it now, or do you guys do you want to go around the table first?
0: Well, let's go around the table first. Okay. Uh, wait, who else hasn't, had seen it? Oh,
3: I had seen it. I think we'd all seen it except you, okay. right?
0: So I was the only yeah. one. I w- it was, okay, this, so this was for my pile. Um, it was indeed. Yeah, and so I got to see it. I guess, yeah, go on with your story, Shane. Oh, so uh, uh, as someone, as someone who you know has worked or dabbled
1: in film work, you know I enjoy reading screenplays for for fun and just to study the form. And I used to just read screenplays from these websites, just whatever websites that had screenplays. And one day I found the screenplay for *Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind* by Charlie Kaufman with no date on it, no information about it. And I just because I'm a Charlie Kaufman fan, I just read it. I didn't I didn't know if it was in production, if it was an early draft, or if it was just some lost thing he never made, and was completely blown away by it. It was the most amazing thing I'd read. Uh, and I immediately became obsessed with it. I went uh, and did some research and found out it was in production, and with this long list of amazing actors, Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet, Mark Ruffalo, Elijah Wood, and, you know, because I'd read this with no faces in my head. Um, I mean, Jim Carrey made me raise eyebrows a little bit, but I think even then it was pretty well known that he, he's not, like, the happiest guy in real life. So I thought, okay, that could work. Um, so, yeah, I just followed the production religiously until it, I think it debuted at Sundance or whatever, or, you know, some festival. And it finally came out. And that day, the day it came out, I was supposed to go visit my friends in New York for the weekend. And I told them I'd, all, told them all I'd be late because I had to go watch a movie. Uh, <laughs> and, um, honestly, my first viewing of the movie was, I was not disappointed. I was more confused. I don't know if you guys know much about the early draft that I read that I think it's on the internet somewhere but uh the draft is the draft I read is very different um it starts with it, it starts and ends with scenes set 40 30 40 years in the future like it starts with this old lady with this book she's trying to oh. get published it turns out that's Mary it, it's Kirsten Dunst's character she's been crusading against Lacuna for her entire adult life and she's trying to get this tell-all published and then it ends with Clementine um Old Clementine going to Lacuna to get erased, and Tom Wilkinson's there. He's, he's super old. His character's still there. And we see on her screen, on his screen, that she's been erased 15 times throughout her adult life. And it's all been Joel, just over and over and over. Uh, it ends with her on the table getting erased. And then Joel calls, leaving a message on her answering machine. Because I guess back then he thought we would always have answering machines. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Joel calling, old, old Joel, and the technician erases the message, and then the movie just ends. So that I mean, sounds
0: like the Charlie Kaufman I know.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a darker yeah. draft and you know because I read it not knowing who was in it, who was directing, I didn't know it was Michelle Gondry. I was sort of picturing like what Spike Jones would have done with it, a sort of just darker because you know Michelle Gondry kind of it's kind of a whimsical. I mean it's sad, but it's sort of a whimsical not like a fairy tale, but it's it's got it's got a lot of um it's childlike. Yeah, it's childlike. And it's like his like um the best way I could describe it is it's like sort of homemade brand of special effects. Like yeah. he does a lot of in-camera stuff. Or even the, the stuff that isn't in-camera is sort of has like a, uh, like a homemade like crafty kind of look to it. Which is not what I was expecting because the script has some very specific things about the way that the transitions work. Like, like when a memory is going out in the script, everybody starts, everybody but Joel starts talking in a monotone. They, they drop all emotion and just start talking like robots. And that's how you know that the memory is going, which I guess I can see why they changed that. I, I, you, if you try to do that in a movie, people might just think, oh, why did this person suddenly stop being a good actor? Like, why, was she, why did she stop acting at the end of the scene? Um, there's a lot of stuff like that that um, just wasn't there. And it was a different tone than I was expecting, a different look, different feel. So I have come around, by the way, I, I love this movie. But I, my, first, um, my first viewing, based on my reading of the, I guess, the first draft or early draft, was uh, a bit confused so uh that's my history with the movie
0: that's very interesting I have t- uh,
3: it is very I, I have a tiny history that not nearly as good as that <laughs> i watched it one time and i think that i didn't pay attention because i thought that the beginning was uh the beginning not the middle <laughs> and i was yeah. like i for some reason i got completely confused about the t- the time and the events, and I completely forgot about the ending, and I hated it. And then I rewatched it the other night, loved it.
4: So. <laughs> Interesting. That is. I think <laughs> I, I think
1: I had a friend because because he knew that I'd you know skipped the first half of our get together to go watch that movie. He ended up going to see it right after the weekend was over, and he was very confused too. He didn't know it was about memory erasure. He didn't know there was going to be time jumping. He thought it was just linear story that made no sense. And I I I think he's come around too. I don't know. I, I guess it yeah I guess it is confusing if you don't know what's going on going in it It doesn't really telegraph it doesn't telegraph the time jumps at all. you kind of have to put together that the movie's in reverse just based on clues I mean it's all there
3: that makes me feel better that makes me feel yeah. much better <laughs>
2: <laughs> no i um uh I-, I liked this film uh tremendously the first time that I saw it uh at the point it uh or, or when I saw it, I had not seen uh, being John Malkovich, uh, uh, I still haven't seen Human Nature, and I think I saw Adaptation not long, uh, uh, before I saw uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Loved Adaptation, still my favorite, uh, uh, Charlie Kaufman or Spike Jonze project, uh, but this one I, I think is a lovely film. It is, I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I think reviewing it at this point, um, did give it a slightly different cast from the first time that I saw it in that I had not realized uh, when, when I saw it the first time because even before they were referring to them, I was very into Manic Pixie Dream Girls at the time that, uh, uh, this, was, uh, that uh, this was made. I didn't get what a complete cipher the script had, uh, had made of Clementine uh, simply because the whole thing was so uh, focused on uh, Joel's perspective on things. Uh, I, I kind of had to reverse-engineer the idea that we see almost none of the actual Clementine, it's mostly just Joel's perception of Clementine that we're seeing for most of the picture. And also did notice the slight little nod, I guess, to the way that the uh, that the script originally ended, uh, at the very end where they replay the same shot, more or less, of the two of them going down the beach at Montauk, uh, I believe two or three times. Uh, which is as close as they get to the uh, to, to the uh, conclusion that uh, uh, apparently uh, was in the original script. Uh, that being said, I think this is an interest of a very dour take from the writer, being leavened somewhat by uh, a somewhat more hopeful take uh, from the uh, from the director. Uh, when uh, when Jane and I were talking about this a bit before we actually ended up rewatching it, and uh, it, uh, Jane was very much in the mindset of. Uh, it's, a, it's a dour and downbeat film, and I don't like it at all. Uh, <laughs> because they're just going to make the
3: same damned mistakes, and that's terrible that they would do that to each but, other. Just keep torturing each other in perpetuity. <laughs> I, but, it's, but
2: but as I said at the time, uh, I, I'm... But I've changed very, my mind. You change your <laughs> mind, uh, because as I said at the time, uh, the author would agree with you, but the director might not. <laughs> You were going to say, Nate?
0: Oh, I I actually had a conversation with Jess uh, just after the movie ended where we had two different takes on the ending where I said, uh, I found it to be kind of a a down ending because they're just going to be in an awful relationship for the rest of their lives. It's just going to happen over and over and over, not knowing that that was in uh, in the actual script. But that's the feeling I got from it. And she got the opposite feeling that they're getting a second chance and uh, I, I deferred to, to that interpretation, but now I'm thinking maybe I was on to something.
2: I think
3: you're both right. <laughs> well, I also agree. But I mean, the, the whole thing about the, the end where they had they know this time that they're going into it. Um, I mean, it's still dour. I still enjoyed it much more this time. But uh, I feel at the end they were agreeing, knowing ahead of time that they had failed one time that e- they might be hyper aware of every little thing from here on out. Be like, I wonder if you didn't do that before, hmm. you know, or pick on each other about it. But, but that's like not in the movie. This is just my feeling. I
5: suppose
2: the question, the question is, uh, is, is are they knowing that they screwed it up the first time, are they going to be able to uh, avoid the pitfalls? But like I, like I say, I, I kind of... I think
3: it'll add pitfalls.
2: Yeah, potentially, uh, and and it, it definitely can be one of those things that uh, that uh, they can needle each other about later on. Like this is probably the reason that I erased my memory of you last time. Exactly, uh, precisely. <laughs> but uh, at, but at the at the point at, uh, of the end of the movie, in this case, that uh, they are, and this is a shout out to you that I'm phrasing it this way, Shane. All they want is another try. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I do love yeah. that video. Managed to find it uh, on uh, on YouTube. We were uh, uh, right after we rewatched them. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I liked I, it a lot.
1: I, I, oh, thank you. I don't think I don't <laughs> think I posted it online. I think someone else did. But yeah, I I, I'm it. pretty
2: sure it made it hard to find. But we found it. It's there.
1: But so. yeah, I was so, so for the for the listeners. I I made a, a short video with a song by a band called Stella Star to this movie a few years ago. And actually, watching this movie again, I kept thinking, "Oh, I should have used that shot. I should have used that shot." <laughs> but
2: <laughs> uh, well, no work is ever completed, only abandoned <laughs> but, yeah. uh, it was it was Nate taught me that one, and I've always rather liked it since uh, but yep. uh that being said, it's I, I i still think it's a lovely picture uh I would be interested in seeing not not necessarily a sequel, but more sort of a sidequel or paraquel. Uh, particularly at this point, that is the exact same story just told uh from Clementine's perspective, up to and including the bit where she manages to get her perception of Joel to implant the suggestion uh to meet her uh, 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 to meet him in Montauk uh at the at, at the the uh you know, the climax of things. This uh sequel, sidequel, or paraquel should of course be called Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. <laughs> 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 yeah
1: that, that that Montauk thing that, that was always the one thing that bugged me. How did they both know to go to Montauk? They were both
3: Well, like he just said we're assuming that her subconscious wanted him back so badly.
1: That it kind of broke through i guess the barriers <laughs> of memory. I, you know, I, I guess it does the, the film does sort of posit in a romantic but ultimately doomed way that maybe there's something something to attraction that's not just in our brains. Some Kind of chemical lizard level thing that that they can't get to by by zapping they, your brain cells.
2: There's definitely a bit of magical thinking in the movie, which is uh, kind of amusing when you think about how utterly low-fi most of the uh, uh, actual tech that we see in the movie is. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I I, I I think the suggestion is that, is that you know, much as they try to quit each other, they never quite can completely, which I think is probably born through through that uh, that script uh, that you read.
0: Um one thing
2: well, i liked I also about Clement- feel oh sorry. No. Oh. Oh.
3: <laughs> go ahead, <laughs> I was just gonna continue and just quickly say that that receptionist being so in love with her boss was a big clue that it didn't it, it was probably more lizard brain yeah um, I, I,
1: I think in the original script, she actually had an abortion, which oh, yeah, good Lord. which is i guess a, a reason why she just goes i mean. It, it still makes sense in the movie why she goes so ballistic, but I think that's sort of a, a reason why she decides to try to take Lacuna down, is because of just how traumatic it was.
2: I suppose the uh, – the, under the hood, uh, so to speak, I guess one of the questions of the movie is, is it possible to retroactively re- withdraw consent for an uh, um, elective uh, neurological procedure? That's just something that I'm just going to leave there. That was just the thought that occurred to me. <laughs> it's brain, it's
3: damage. brain damage. It's brain damage. <laughs> it damage. No worse than the,
2: than a night of heavy drinking. <laughs> um, <laughs> um,
0: I'd like to talk a little bit more about uh, Michel Gondry's uh, style, his, his kind of whimsical childlike style, uh, and some of the way he uses uh, the language of film. Uh, one of my favorite things in the movie was noticing uh throughout the film there are these kind of grounded shots where there's a spotlight on jim carrey and they're following him around and that happens throughout the course of the entire film and you don't realize until the end that it's that that light has been representative of the flashlight that clementine carries at the end of the film which is really the beginning of their relationship so that one visual piece just stayed throughout the entire picture and i love that so much I,
4: and I didn't. I never, I never, I never
1: caught that. I mean, I did notice the light on him and, and the the odd way that it would sometimes play on him, but I never put together that, that it was Clementine's flashlight. That's pretty cool.
2: Yeah. No, I, I hadn't gotten that either. Good, good, good catch. <laughs> I don't think I've heard that mentioned, but uh, no, the photography in the movie is uh, fascinating. Uh, the, the DVD transfer that, uh, that I have and w- that we ended up watching, it, it definitely is showing its age a little bit. It's kind of contrasty, but that sort of works for the movie uh, in, in its own right. Um, the, uh, the, the sort of extremes of light and dark uh, in the images uh, make for, I think, a fairly satisfying aesthetic. Yeah, I would
0: agree with that. And I, I, I love so much the scene uh, uh, where Jim Carrey is a kid, in his kid memory <laughs> situation and uh that he uses forced perspective there to such a great great effect um i i, I love the way he, he uses the camera
1: i think that whole section where where he decides to put clementine in memories where she doesn't belong that was the point where i was reading the script where i'm like okay this is genius this is brilliant i mean you could easily do a movie about just erasing someone and going backwards in time through the memories but i think that little wrinkle. Is what, and I think that's why they cast Jim Carrey because he could play those memories. That's why you want someone with his sort of—I don't know—versatility if versatility is the right word, but his 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 uh, Jim Carriness. yeah, rubber
2: physiognomy and or psychology, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, narratively, it's uh, uh, definitely uh, uh, leans into the surreal more than a bit, which uh, is obviously a recurring theme in uh, in Kaufman's work, just in general. Um, uh, much more so in the movie that we're going to be talking about in the second half, but we'll talk about that in the second half, in any event. uh, No, uh, but uh, just uh, that he's consistently able to get away uh, with uh, stuff that is so surreal, at least by current standards, is interesting, and it's a relatively rare niche at this point, Uh, especially since, in difference to a lot of surrealists, Kaufman manages to make coherent works uh, you know, things that actually have a discernible beginning, middle and end that nevertheless use a very deeply surrealistic style. That's unusual enough in its own right.
0: A conversation I had with Jess after the film ended uh was what was wrong with Clementine, uh, psychologically speaking, because I, what I got from her throughout the film is... Bipolar, because I'm bipolar, and that so of course that's what I saw out of her character. She had a lot of the same mannerisms, the manic nature, uh the impulsive uh stuff um, but uh Jess looked it up, and apparently there is there are multiple papers written on Clementine as a character being uh uh borderline personality disorder, uh, which I found really interesting. Uh, what do you guys think? I think I know
3: not enough about it. So. <laughs> Sorry, Shane.
0: <laughs> I think I would agree with the
1: borderline personality disorder. It's been a while since I've studied this, but um I do think it's it's less extreme than bipolar. Um does she really have the the depressive episodes? I mean, that's true. Part of it part of
3: Well, I don't know. She was freaked out, shocked and crying, but she wasn't at any point like like unable to move because she was so upset about anything. So, yeah, I don't know.
2: Well, again, at the same time, we're say. we're seeing a lo- uh, her character almost, not quite, but almost exclusively uh, through uh, Joel's uh, perception of her. So it's, it, it's possible that his memories are not entirely accurate, that he's either <clears throat> making things that were extreme more extreme or muting it. It's a little hard to tell, yep. which I suppose is kind of the point in its own right.
3: But I was actually referring to the part where she was, um, like the live parts where she was with Elijah Wood, uh, rapey boy, because uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. she was freaking what, out. What? Like, but then again, who wouldn't if you were having all of these conflicting yeah, I, sort of I, feelings and I, memories? In that,
2: ca- in that, yeah, in that case, it was uh, he was uh, pushing her too. Yeah, he was almost you know inviting weapons grade deja vu.
1: Yeah, I feel like she was mm-hmm. just reacting to. Things poking parts of her brain that shouldn't be there, like the the, the right. lingering memories. So I don't know if that was I don't know if that was necessarily because of any sort of personality disorder. I think she was being triggered by by past memories or something.
5: Yeah.
2: But on uh, the whole, outside of Joel's memories, I think she presents a somewhat more even keel uh, than uh, than she does in the memories.
1: Yeah. I mean, speaking of Elijah Wood, I think we all enjoyed his character a lot. Um, I was really happy to see that he was cast after I read that character. I, I initially was kind of unsure what his purpose of the movie was, but I was thinking about it, and I think maybe, because his storyline doesn't really go anywhere. Um, it does have that great intro where he just shows up and it's like, what the hell? Um, but I think it might be Kaufman thinking, well, this movie is introducing a new technology. How could somebody, ab- you know, with any new technology, some douchebag is going to try and abuse it. How do, we, how, how do mm-hmm. we examine how that kind of technology could be abused by by some unethical person. So that was my take on why his character... Well, and it's, it's also, you know, vastly entertaining.
3: Yeah. It yes. is. But I also felt like, you know, it was a good contrast because, you know, he was trying to do all of the things that Joel would have done and it was not working. As, <laughs> he knew there was something wrong. As,
2: as much of a it, mess as, uh, as Joel was, he was at least genuine about it. Yes. Whereas, whereas Elijah Wood is just a gaslighting douchebag.
0: <laughs> you know, Charlie Kaufman really likes his, uh, mopey white men, doesn't he?
1: I mean, he is one, I would imagine. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you gotta figure that was, uh, sort of his native filter. Uh, still, still interested to see, uh, I'm thinking of ending things as most recent picture, not least because the protagonist in that is a woman, uh, which... Granted, I haven't seen *Anomalisa*, but most of uh, most of Kaufman's movies feel like they view w- women as a fundamentally unknowable thing. Yeah, um, unless it's Catherine Keener, and even then, you know, she's you know being her most Catherine Keener-ish. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Which the whole thing made me think of *Kidding*. If any of y'all haven't seen that. That is a that is a television show on, what what is it on Showtime?
2: I believe it was Showtime, but yeah, that was Jim Carrey and Catherine Keener and Michelle Gondry. Oh, uh, and oh, ultimately, yeah, and I, ultimately a really good series.
0: That is on so my, good. That's on
2: my pile. Just really hope they don't get they don't get another season because they finish the second season perfectly.
1: Uh, hmm. yeah. I want to talk about the, the score a little bit. I mean, John Bryan is one of my favorite composers. He has a very distinctive style. I actually, so I mean, he composed the music for this and for uh, the other film we're going to talk about. When all the films I've made, the short films or features, I always use John Bryan music as my temporary scores. And then when I send them off to my composers, they listen to it and they, they watch it. They're like, how am I supposed to top this? <laughs> like, what, like, what am I supposed to do now? But uh, I don't know. Because he, there, he, he, there's just so many different moods that his, his music captures. And it's all sort of like quirky and. and and very interesting musically. So I just I, I'm a big fan of his of his compositions.
2: No, very fine composer. Uh, one of those, uh, and, and also very often, considering just the the, uh, the filmmakers that he works with, very often sort of an an innate mark of quality uh, when he turns up in the credits list for a picture in the first place. He's done a fair bit of stuff with uh, with uh, P. T. Anderson, yes. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, David O. Russell as well. I, th- I think I use I Heart yeah. Huckabees on uh, part of my my film. <laughs> um, yeah I mean it all it, it's interesting because it all kind of sounds the same but it also it, each, each track is very different but you can always tell it's him I think I saw some I can't remember what I saw it was a short or something that was not um, by one of his, his normal collaborators and I knew instantly it was him
0: I really like the color palette of the film as well there, there are a lot of uh, uh, god damn it I had it written in my notes I've, and I'm looking for it the name of the cinematographer um shit give me two seconds no now forget it let's drop uh, it ellen Curis. thank you thank you some gorgeous work in there um keeping it keeping it grounded and and uh uh giving it a, a very uh I i don't want to
2: say indie look but it has an indie look it it's 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 realistic it made me think visually of uh, like a 70s and early 80s movies of the week. It has a very sort of, you know, s- vaguely but hard to put your finger on retro quality to the general settings, but that a- also is mirrored in the very careful muting of uh, of uh, the color palette and uh, g- uh, general cinematography and lighting.
3: Well, and brightening certain key things. I mean, the you know obviously that we we'd have to talk about um Clementine's hair, yep, which is definitely, well, that's also sort of your marker for knowing when you are and what's going on too, so which I paid much more attention to this time, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I paid a lot but of attention her uh too. her orange sweatshirt that he liked at first and then hated and liked again, I think is it, wasn't that something he's like yeah, dang door and sweatshirt again. Oh. And, but yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do want to drop a little bit of, tri- I don't know if it's trivia, but um, so uh, it's mentioned several times that Joel was living with someone named Naomi, who we never see. Um, they actually shot those scenes. So, so Jim Carrey was apparently very depressed when this movie started because he had just broken up with Renee Zellweger. They'd been together for many years. And Michelle Gondry said to Jim Carrey, like, you know, I want you to stay sad for this movie. You know, I want I want to use that sadness, and uh, so he cast Ellen Pompeo as Naomi. And if you've ever seen Ellen Pompeo, she looks a lot like Renee Zellweger. And so there's a th- <laughs> there's a theory there's a theory that Michelle Gondry purposely cast Ellen Pompeo as his girlfriend to fuck with him, and to keep him depressed during the shooting of this movie. That's
2: uh, that's all. Wow. That, that's almost a Kubrickian machi- uh, machination, and I have to respect it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, judge,
2: at, and judging by Jim Carrey working with Gondry again later on, I'm guessing yeah, that uh, that uh, um, Carrey did as well.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, apparently those scenes are on the DVD, which I've never actually watched. But uh, And also, um, I think they decided to cut the scenes because his his chemistry with Ellen Pompeo was too good. And they thought oh. it would detract from his chemistry with oh. Clementine. So that's,
3: that's interesting. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is. that's cute, too, honestly. Yeah.
0: Well, I, yeah, I don't know what to talk about anymore. Uh, we could go ahead and take our break if we wanted to.
3: That would be great because I'm on the wrong Wi-Fi. Oh, and that's why everything's... Yeah. Got it, got it. I haven't been around for a while and I forgot to... All
0: joke, right, so. well, let's let's go ahead and take our break. <laughs> okay. We'll be right back. turns out they're more closely related to, uh, cacti than, uh, the, you know, the Earth primates, but...
5: Ah! Deep Let's in the forgotten corners of our galaxy, a mighty space hulk blazes through the stars. Prime. Its crew, a motley gang of misfits, who are just out for a good time. Yes.
0: He's for a yes. okay. They
5: have harnessed the mysterious fuel called Nostalgia. And we're up. Right. By remembering the cartoons of their youth. Now, standing in their way, the evil Emperor Zorback. Stand down and prepare to be Who just wants to shut this screw down and conquer every planet along the way. Thankfully, their ship holds a weapon with enough firepower to restore the balance. Yes,
0: you neglected the anime space cannon.
5: They are. The bastards of the universe. I
0: think
3: you know damn well
5: who we are. Thursdays at eight. Let's cast this pod. Only on Twitch.
0: And we are back. Uh, now we're gonna talk about Synecdoche, New York. I can I have a hard time saying that word. Me Synecdoche. Too. <laughs> <Me> Synecdoche. <too. laughs> I have,
2: uh, I've spent a fair bit of time in the, in the actual Schenectady, uh, in, including actually uh, a couple of years ago, uh, uh, seeing Hamilton in the, uh, uh, the uh, Schenectady downtown theater district. Uh, so that uh, gave me a little bit of a giggle rewatching this uh, at this point. But uh, yeah, basically, I've got relatives in Niskayuna, which is, I want to say Cayuga Indian for next to Schenectady. Um, but, um, <laughs> so it, it is, it,
0: it's Schenectady, not sy- Synectady, it's Schenectady. Yeah,
2: Schenectady, uh, it, which, uh, Synecdoche is, um, a term, I had to look this up, uh, when I originally saw the movie, Synecdoche is where, uh, a term, uh, is sort of a verbal construction where a part of a thing is used to refer to the whole of the thing such as, uh, referring to a stage as the boards. Okay. In, I gotta go out on the boards, if you're an actor. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Interesting. Which, weirdly which weirdly enough, knowing that, going into the, uh, uh, the movie the first time, which I think I actually, uh, picked up, uh, a used copy of when I was, uh, when I was staying at your place, uh, for those couple of months in 2009, uh, Knowing, that, uh, bearing that in mind, I think actually helped me with my first viewing of the picture. Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> and he told me so. I, I, I guess it could have helped. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> 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 oh. There's only so much I think that that could have helped, uh, given your reaction to the film, but I suppose we'll get to that. What are your thoughts, Shane?
1: (laughs) Okay, so, well, this was on my pile. This was actually the only Coffin I hadn't seen. Uh, I think I've seen all of them, including Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, uh, the one directed by George Clooney. I had always avoided this one because it seemed like too much work. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) LAUGHTER
2: I mean, Rod- you, you, you might not have been wrong Yeah. Accurate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, R-
1: Roger Ebert actually named his, this his favorite film of the entire decade and I went back and read his review he says almost nothing about the movie itself he just talks about how it encapsulates all of life and human experience and I just thought yeah this is, doesn't seem like fun so I've just avoided it until now and
3: that's so funny that you would say that I mean or Roger Ebert would say that is because I hated it as I was watching it. I mean, um, I yeah. actually ended up drinking myself into oblivion. We had to stop the movie and finish it the next night. That is how bad it was and how much I hated it.
0: I, I asked <laughs> I, I asked Jess, do you think they would hate me if I stopped this in the middle?
3: And yes, just didn't I know. finish I, it. I, I went, well, I did stop it, but we did finish it. <laughs> I will say, however, that after we You know, I guess the listeners don't know, but we've had a bit of a break, and I have had time to think about it, and I was like, "Well, that really was very accurate about you know basically the human condition. Every stomach growl, every creak and groan, and it was uh... filth and blood and and disease and oh, just oh,
2: it it was funny uh... was.
3: You know, I, which I thought was funny because, you know, that's part of the human condition, not necessarily cleaning, but, you know, taking care of yourself or things around you. But
2: It, it was funny every time that there was that horrible gurgle in <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman's uh, stomach. Uh, and at least the first couple of times you looked over and was like, was that you? And it's like, no, it's no! in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We're gross. <laughs> I mean, yes, absolutely. The, uh, particularly for the first hour or so of the movie, it leans deeply, deeply into body horror. Mm-hmm. But it is mm-hmm. the horror of you know, the stuff that all of us actually have to physically deal with on uh, uh, in, in varying degrees, just sort of kind of distilled down to its nastiest essence.
0: I just don't need to see a movie about a narcissist anymore. I'm done with them. And I saw him as, I saw Philip Seymour Hoffman's uh, Caden, Caden, as a total narcissist. Uh, mm-hmm. Mostly, well, <laughs> there's one line that kind of encapsulates that for me, which is, uh, I I miss Olive and the other one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I hate this guy. This guy is just an awful human being, and I don't care about his life and and the shit he's going through. And he makes me actively angry, and I want
4: to hit him.
3: I did too, and you know, I'm I, I just so because I'm thinking about it now. Who else was completely freaked out about Olive's treatment? Basically, yes, she was raped. I mean, yeah. I, and you know, oh god the whole thing was horrifying horrifying she was 13 and her mom's best friend like convinced her to get tattooed and then had a sexual relationship with this child Ugh. though i will admit that her death scene was gorgeous absolutely <laughs> i i loved that when the petals fell off of her arm i but other oh i was so sickened by the whole thing i couldn't enjoy it at all
4: yeah
0: I agree. Not,
2: notab- notably played uh, as an adult by Robin Wiegert uh, who was Calamity Jane Deadwood, which that's where I recognized yes, her and,
3: from. Yep. And she was on Jessica Jones as um, what's her name? Um, oh yeah, she the was The wife that. of um, Yeah, the wife of uh, well, Hogarth? Trinity, Trinity. Carrie, yes, Carrie yes. Ann Carrie Moss. Moss. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Hogarth. <laughs> Hogarth. Yes, because we were also just in, talking uh, about the Matrix. So.
1: I think she was also in Lost as Juliet's dying sister, I believe. <laughs> oh,
0: well, I don't remember that one.
2: I, I don't think I got that far into Lost. Uh, but uh... now, this, uh, th- this is the phrase that uh, that came back to my mind, and I think it's one that I lifted. I want to say from Roger Ebert's review of Aliens is this is not what we are talking about normally when we refer to films as entertainment, (laughs) which is ironic because Aliens is unbelievably entertaining and always has been. Um, At the same time, also, considering that the film is made like a comedy, uh, It it, uh, recalls another one of uh, Ebert's turns of phrase uh, that I picked up a while back. And in that case, I think he was referring to uh, uh, Martin Scorsese's After Hours. Uh, It's only a comedy in the sense, uh, or if you uh, think of whistling past the graveyard as the stuff of musicals. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is another another one of those strange little uh, turns of phrase that I've always liked and uh, always struggle to use in a, in a in a situation where they would be topical. Uh, but um, I like this movie. I like this movie in spite of itself, and sometimes in spite of myself, because it is particularly for the whole uh, whole early period before they actually get to uh, Caden getting the uh, uh, MacArthur. The, uh, the MacArthur uh, Grant, which would not fund nearly as much as no. uh, as it funds <laughs> in this picture, no. it's, which uh, I think is sort of the implicit there uh, joke there. It, uh, in in any case, it's six hundred
0: thousand uh, a year, I think.
2: Exactly. Uh, that that being said, this movie leans even more deeply into surrealism than any of uh, of uh, Kaufman's earlier stuff, even being John Malkovich. Um, which I also I, that's actually the only Kaufman movie I've seen that I don't like, but that's that's really? probably a conversation okay. for another yeah. time. Yeah, we're gonna talk about this. <laughs> no, we can we can
0: <laughs> we can mention being John Malkovich because that's that's another Kaufman that I don't I don't particularly like. Um, yeah, just because everybody's
2: it. so horrible.
0: Yeah, and I kind of feel the same way about this one.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I I didn't get that uh, I I didn't I didn't think of Caden as horrible. I thought of him as just a complete schlub, who can't commit or decommit, uh, commit to or decommit from anything. Uh, he is, uh, I, I know I like this phrase, but it, here, it works here uh, more than a lot of other times. He's sort of the vacuum at the center of the vortex. It's just the sh- the, the vortex is fascinating. Uh, the dystopian turn of the world around uh, the uh, uh, Caden's day-to-day affairs in, in the movie is, is, I think, sort of an interesting Uh, Subplot that I had not noticed, or hadn't—I probably noticed it and then stopped thinking about it after the first time that I had seen it, which was, of course, you know that you know during that period where I was staying at your place more than a decade ago. Uh, But uh, I, yeah, no, I like to say just for the—it's a very sad film. Any way you slice it, it's—it's a very sad picture, and it doesn't get any less sad as it goes along. There is a brief respite from the abject horror of it all uh, first as the presumptive stage production starts being mounted and then you know the very brief period where uh he's actually... where 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 uh, uh Caden is actually happy with um Samantha, Samantha Morton yes uh Hazel now I I think it's wonderfully inspired that they managed to get uh, Emily Watson to play uh, Samantha Morton in hmm. uh, in a movie with Samantha Morton. If they could have just gotten even just for a moment Emily Mortimer to play Emily Watson playing Samantha Morton, they would have had the trifecta there. <laughs> uh, but... yeah. I I
1: did think at one point like how many versions of this of itself is this movie going to have in it? But uh... I do. When the cast list came up, I was very impressed with the list of actors, particularly the actresses. It's just a laundry list of actresses you want to see in more stuff. Mm-hmm. Samantha Morton, Emily Mort- or Emily Watson. Now I mixed up. Emily Watson, Diane Weist, uh... Catherine Keener being Catherine the, Keener, the most
2: Catherine Kathar-
1: yep.
2: being the most Catherine Keener. Catherine Keener has ever <laughs> Catherine Keenered in a movie. Um,
0: <laughs> Michelle Williams. Yep. yep. Uh-huh. And uh Jennifer Jason Jennifer
2: Lee. Jason Lee, yeah, Hope Hope Davis. Yeah. Oh yeah. With that horrible thing happening to her feet. <laughs> what the hell was up with what those shoes were doing to her feet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it,
0: a, a giant it, pustule on the toe and then it's uh, all engorged later uh. on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
2: it's it's one of the grossest movies that, I mean, it's a low-key gross, but it's low-key gross all the way through. Uh, and that's very rare for movies that, well, usually don't don't involve, you know, Jeff Goldblum turning into a fly. <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> well, but they normalize it through the whole thing. Like, this is just, this you know, like, they ignore it. They don't ask, hey, what's wrong with your shoes? <laughs> Although I will say at one point, and I don't remember who was asking, when he, when he was trying to drink soup.
4: What are oh, you he's you doing, just doing that? The thing with his mouth Oh, God He's trying oh. to salivate
3: Somebody did ask him, what are you doing? Face <laughs> <laughs> like I tried to work up saliva To drink yeah. soup
4: I mean,
1: this was a tough movie to watch I don't think I hated it I'm still trying to make up my mind about it But um, I feel like it was I feel like the opening scenes Like the very opening scenes Is sort of a snapshot of his life His, his family, people around him And everything after that felt like Just this fantasy of self-pity Yes like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like nothing was, w- w- nothing was really meant to be taken at face value, and yet we're just supposed. To, nothing's really meant to be real, or anyway, it's it almost uh, felt like a like a like an idea instead of an actual story, like a thought experiment or something. Just how how deep can we fall into this guy's well? Is, is what this movie felt like to me.
2: I mean reading up a bit on this uh, picture before the episode this evening uh, apparently this project was born out of, was born out of uh, some instance uh, a couple of years before where somebody had approached uh, Kaufman and Spike Jones to make a horror movie which actually I think does balance uh, balance an equation for this but uh, they said uh, they decided apparently instead of uh, making a normal horror movie they just wanted to make a movie about the stuff they were afraid of you know like you know mortality and you know Confusion, you know, self delusion, uh, you know that thing on my back that you know turn it wasn't there yesterday and is now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, like I say, it is, it, it is, uh, it, 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 it for for a film as, as sort of intellectually designed, it's a very deeply visceral picture and not in in, in anything resembling a pleasant way. Um, it, it, as I say, it's it's a downer. It's uh, definitely depressing. I as I, I, I like it. I think it's excellently done. I'll be damned if I can tell you why I like it though. <laughs> um
0: <laughs> Yeah, I I wasn't I wasn't a fan. Um I didn't I don't like I think I might not like Charlie Kaufman. I think that might be my issue. I, I don't like his mopey characters. I don't I don't like his witty dialogue. Like th- there was a point where um I quoted this uh you can tell me because you can't tell me was a line, and it that one line bothered the shit out of me for some reason. It's it's you can't tell me because you can't tell me. I it, yeah, it's multi-layered. The movie's multi-layered. I get it.
1: I don't even remember that line. I don't either. I, I oh, when, he, this movie when he was in the
2: when he was in the doctor's office.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay.
2: Where the doctor just kept kept saying you you can you can't tell me or you can't or, or you can't. Yes,
0: and it just kept going and going. He kept saying it over and over, and I was like, mm-hmm. "I fucking
2: get it." It's it's like a Samuel Beckett farce. Uh, <laughs> it's
3: uh... look, the whole movie just wanted me to grab a bottle of uh, fake tears and squirt them in my eyes, <laughs> like like he had to. I, I mean, <laughs> when he found out Olive died, remember that? I mean, what what was that? What was I mean, I understand he didn't have. His brain wouldn't allow him to make his own
2: tears, but and the big pink box that said nose. Nose. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> oh
3: well, I mean, this I guess is pink. She likes pink.
4: Uh,
2: <laughs> now, I, 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 given that this show is probably you know, fairly unforgiving for people who haven't actually watched the movies that we're talking about, I think this is one of those ones that is going to be that to in order of magnitude, uh, more so than usual. Uh, Just because if you try to describe the movie, it will not make sense. If you explain the sequence of events in the movie, it will not make sense. Uh, They they could have called it art film, and it probably would have uh, have, uh, not really lessened or increased the impact of the thing. If you watch the movie, it will not make sense. (laughs) 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 <laughs> well, that's, well that's the thing is I I think it kind of does I have just yet to quite assign a one to one value between what I think was happening in the narrative and what was actually happening in the narrative if if that makes any sense. The movie's got me thinking that it's smarter than I am but I'm not actually sure that it is. Uh I think that this may have been something where this was just the shit that he wrote, and they went with it.
0: That's kind of the feeling I get as well.
2: Mm-hmm. It, it it's uh it, it's almost challenging you to, uh, to a to a death of the author interpretation.
0: But <laughs> 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 well, hey, Tom Noonan was in it.
2: Yes. Well, oh, he I, was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he's always delightful. Although like, he too like ended he. up. Uh, he was uh, the, uh, the Sammy. tall stand-in for Kay- Sammy, the tall stand-in for Kaden. Got it. Yeah. I, I,
1: I really enjoyed the whole subplot of him taking over his life. Him and, uh, who's the other one? Emily Diane Watts? Wee. Yeah. Or Diane Weiss. Yeah, kind of just taking over his life. I thought that stuff was a lot of fun. As much fun as this movie could be, I thought <laughs> Tom Noonan and Diane Weiss were, were great.
0: I loved when uh, Tom Noonan came in for his uh, uh, audition and just lays his character out Completely, like right in front of him, and it's that—that <laughs> that was a great moment.
2: I've been watching you for twenty years, <laughs> and and admittedly, some one of the little sub games you can play with yourself, particularly in the uh, before Tom Noonan tips the hat, is seeing all of the places that he turns up before then in the movie. Oh, which which was something at this point that I was watching.
0: Okay, I, I know a...
3: said a lot, but no, I missed he's in some. the
1: he's in the opening shot. He's in the bedroom at one point, briefly. Very briefly, I for some reason, for some reason, I thought he was before the father died. I thought he was supposed to be Caden's uh, dad or something like that. I don't uh, know why I thought that.
0: Huh. I didn't notice what?
2: him. It, it's like I say. I think this is one of those movies where. Either you're gonna like it and be uncomfortable with it, or you're gonna not like it and be uncomfortable with it. I, I'm not sure if there are any other uh, options uh, to that. I'm,
0: I... I'm not sure if I was uncomfortable with it. I, I kind of, I kind of got, I got the timeline. I, well, it's all linear time, but I, I got the the layers. I, I understand each each different level of the play that was going on simultaneously. I just you know,
2: still. You just still fucking hate it. Yeah, I just don't I don't
0: <laughs> like it. I don't I don't like the writing. I don't like any of the characters. Not not a single one of them. I found them all to be atrocious in one way or another. Uh Caden was, was self masturbatory. Uh Michelle Williams uh liked Caden, and that was enough for me. Uh <laughs> Olive was
3: fooling herself in her later day, I mean, you know, talking about... Well, actually, Jenner, you had something to say about that when Olive was making Caden confess to something he actually didn't do.
2: Yeah. Well, you I, had some I, sort of thought oh, about right. that? Well, no, I had I had noticed, and I hadn't noticed this the first time, or at least, again, it had been a while, so I didn't remember uh, if I had noticed it or, or not. Uh, they, uh, the brief reference uh, of uh, Diane Wiest's uh, character uh, to her you know, Lost Love Eric, which, of course, was the name of uh, of uh, the homosexual lover that uh, Olive had imputed to her father. Uh, so there's an interesting, strange little rhyming callback, uh, of which I think there are quite a lot buried in this movie. Um, that said, I still... Uh, I think it's, uh, I, like, as I say, I think it's an exceptionally executed film. Uh, I don't get Ebert's, you know, falling all over himself for it. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what the hell he was thinking there.
0: <laughs> well, I, I probably have film friends who are going to be like, what are you, what are you thinking? You don't like Schenectady,
2: New York? <laughs> <laughs> No, Schenectady is a nice town. Schenectady is a good place to visit. Uh, they they actually underwent a major revitalization of the downtown theater district a few years ago, and I got to take advantage of that a couple years ago. So. Uh.
3: Your opinion is as valid as, as, as any of ours. They uh. don't let anybody talk you into something you don't believe. Because I, I, I absolutely agree. It is a hard movie. Nobody's likable. Um, I've gotten, as I've noticed as I've gotten older, um, I, I don't like, uh, I won't like a movie because nobody's likable. And hmm. I know we were just talking about um, uh, being John Malkovich, and I used to love it. But then you started talking about how horrible everybody was in there, Nate. <laughs> and I was like, maybe I wouldn't like it anymore. I bet I wouldn't.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah. John Cusack, especially. He is...
3: Oh, yeah. No,
2: he's vile.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I, I kind of, I don't know, maybe it's because we're raising kids and we see that yeah. kind of thing. and We don't want to see that in anybody. not You know, we don't want our kids to do it, and we don't want anybody to do it around our kids.
0: There's probably yeah. a level of sensitivity there that uh, maybe. I didn't used to have.
3: Maybe. I, I mean, I
1: think, I think I enjoyed being John Malkovich initially just because it was full of surprises. So I left the movie thinking, wow, that was really inventive and fun. Having watched it a couple of years ago, or maybe last year again, I was, yeah, it was just kind of like swimming in muck. Everything was so. (laughs) Everything and everybody was so dirty on every level, like spiritually, visually. Yeah, just it just felt like a gross movie. I mean, still well made, but uh, not something very enjoyable.
2: Yeah, I'll I'll go with I I think I'm with Nate on this one. In in that I am not sure I actually like Charlie Kaufman. I like most of the movies he's been involved with that I have seen. Uh. I probably need to see a bit more before I come down one way or the other. Like I say, still, uh, I mean, uh, I'm thinking of ending things is still definitely on my pile. I'm still looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: see, that one's my least favorite. If you think he's up his own ass in this movie, wait till you see you
2: know, thinking of ending things. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, that gives me uh, something to look forward we'll to. Take it right <laughs> off the pile. <laughs>
1: should, no, 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 definitely watch it. We should keep okay. it on the pile. I would love to talk about it, but I, I did not like it. This one, I'm still not sure. You know, it's funny you guys mentioned, you know, not knowing how not understanding Ebert's, uh, opinions. Ebert, um, he hated The Usual Suspects. He saw it again, and his, 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 what he said was, to the degree that I understand, I don't care. That's kind of how I feel about this movie, even though I don't hate it. <laughs> like, I, I get what's going on. I see, but because it doesn't really seem like anything is really happening. Uh, I get kind of lost when a movie, even if I'm following it, if a movie is just pulling the rug out, me constantly. I just stopped caring and stopped responding on an emotional level. I feel like this movie's guilty of that a little bit. But at the same time, it's it's still on my mind, and I'm still... Uh,
2: it's still oh, sort yeah. of ha-
1: haunting me a little bit.
2: I've, I've never stopped thinking about it since the first time that I saw it. I have been, up until this most recent viewing, kind of wary of viewing it again. <laughs> uh, I think because I had forgotten directly how much the movie wanted to hurt me but i still was retaining a certain measure of sense memory there um that that being said it 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 got me again and i still like it and i'm still not going to see it again anytime soon (laughs) (laughs) you might have been a little bit
3: wary too because whenever you show me a movie that you liked a little bit and i absolutely hate it I will I will tear it up. You spend most up. of the mo-
2: you you spend most of the movie uh, as a de facto kind of turning toward me and uh, and you're not overtly blaming me for making you watch this thing. You're just implicitly blaming me for making you watch this thing. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: you know, th- thinking about this compared to Eternal Sunshine, uh, I think one of the reasons I like that film better than this one by a wide margin is, is the playfulness that uh, Michelle Gondry brought to it and the humanism that Jim Carrey brought to it. And I feel like Kaufman needs things to offset his unique
2: writing. He, he needs a guy to say, dude. Yes. Uh a- as with so many artists, uh he needs a a counterbalancing influence. I would actually say the same thing about Gondry. Gondry's solo work I found to be a bit too light a lot of the time. Uh like uh it, you know it, uh which is I think one of the reasons why Gondry and uh, and Kaufman ma- made such a good team on that picture because you know the you know the one was uh 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 keeping the other from floating away, and the other was keeping the one from sinking straight to the bottom, so to speak.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I remember seeing The Science of Sleep, which I believe was Gondry's follow-up to this, and and I I agree. It was just, it was like, get some feet on the ground. Like, I I get it, you're whimsical, you're, you're a dreamer, but there's nothing in this movie for me to hold on to.
2: Yeah, I I had a similar response to Be Kind, Rewind. I know that the whole, you know, Sweeting thing became a thing from uh, Be Kind, Rewind, which was kind of a charming sort of ancillary development, but the movie itself I found, you know, generally quite slight, even if Mos Def needs to make more fucking movies.
0: (laughs) I liked that movie.
2: I liked it. It's just, it didn't, I didn't, feel the need to revisit it afterwards.
0: I think where Gondry really shines is in his short work and his music videos where he gets to experiment.
2: Absolutely. Like that stuff is, is phenomenal. And admittedly, granted he didn't direct the whole series, Kidding was really, really good. Okay. Really, really good. I need to give that a watch there are parts of uh, of it uh, especially as it's progressing that will piss you right off but uh, that's okay i think that's in this case deliberate but not malicious if that makes any sense <laughs> that does yeah
3: yeah it's it's not an easy watch but it it's worth it it's worth it i mean that's the one thing you know i can say about about that is yeah some of the characters are terrible and piss you off and you don't like where things are headed and and <clears throat> All of that, but unlike that and Synecdoche, Syn- Syne- Sh- Synecdoche, <laughs> Synecdoche, I think I got it yes. anyway. Uh, took me all week, but anyway, yeah, Synecdoche. The the thing about that is that there's it just goes nowhere. I, I, I will say the ending was kind of nice, but not nice, but poignant, poignant, yeah. <laughs> and, and other than that, I don't know, I just didn't like it, it just didn't have that. Heart that uh, you weren't rooting for anybody. You were just kind of hoping that they'd get over themselves.
0: I was, yeah, I was rooting for his death actively,
3: Mm -hmm. and
2: I got that Mm -hmm. at the end, so that was satisfying. (laughs) Happy
3: ending, (laughs) woo!
2: (laughs) Didn't didn't give you a lot of time to enjoy it. Launched right into the credits, but uh, yeah,
4: yeah. Actually, another
2: uh, uh, another quick shout-out for Kidding. It does have the incidental pleasure of the nicest Catherine Keener Catherine Keener has ever Catherine Keener.
4: <laughs> Are you sure? Because, uh, you know, oh, there's oh, 40-year-old oh, virgin. virgin yeah. Okay,
2: maybe 40-year-old Although
3: virgin. she did sell all his stuff. As Jenner pointed out, that makes her an evil, evil villain. <laughs> Doesn't and
2: make I... her an evil, evil villain just means that, you know, I, yeah, no, that's, that, uh, uh... That I guy like that guy movie. was just ahead of the curve.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I came into this thinking I need to watch this movie again, but now hearing you guys talk about it, I'm not sure I need to again. <laughs> you guys might have changed my mind. I, I I'm still I'm still not gonna commit to hating it. Well but, do li- uh, I do don't know like I need to watch it again. Do like or, I or, did or, or and soon. and
2: re- do like I did and revisit it in twelve years. Yeah. <laughs> Sometime down the line. If it can be acquired in any form uh, or uh, or or through any signal by that point.
0: Now I haven't given up on Charlie Kaufman completely yet because I do want to see Anomalisa. Yeah, I, I, mean, I like I mean, Anomalisa t- a lot. That was that was
1: that that had some of the heart that I think something like this is missing.
4: Hmm.
2: Uh, as I say, I think he occupies in in my estimation the sort of the the same ephemeral space that the Cohen brothers uh, do, which is that. I like most of the work, but I'm not sure how I feel about the artists. Mm-hmm. Um, like, when, when, when the Coen brothers piss me off, they piss me off hard. Uh,
3: well, yeah. what, well, I was going to ask, what pissed you off that, that they've done? Because I, I can't, I like all
2: of I I, I
0: hated Burn After Reading.
2: Well, I don't think I've seen that. I I enjoyed that. I I, I thought it was funny. (laughs) I would have hated Burn After Reading, except for the two scenes with J.K. Simmons and David Rash, which (laughs) kind of made it all okay for me. But in in this case, I'm thinking more of No Country for Old Men.
0: Oh, yeah, I didn't care for that either.
2: I fucking hate that movie. Uh, I I always hold uh, that—this is obviously a a divergence from what we were talking about, but I always hold that No Country for Old Men is— Essentially, a deliberate act of malice upon uh, the critics and audiences that got conned by Fargo. <laughs> 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 which is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I exactly. love Fargo. Oh, Everybody goodness. loves Fargo.
3: Yeah. I mean,
1: No Country for Old Men. I mean, you, you don't put that on Cormac McCarthy at all. He's responsible for maybe the worst movie I've seen, which is Ridley Scott's The Counselor. Have you guys seen that? No.
2: I've seen the first half hour of it. I still haven't gotten around to the rest of it. But uh, No, I. I, 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 I I understand that uh, that uh, it's Cormac McCarthy's work at the same time. It was the Cohen Brothers who actually made the damn movie, and again, selecting a Cormac McCarthy work to adapt strikes me as a direct act of malice on the audience. <laughs> K- kind of kind of like Fargo was Revenge for critics and audiences not embracing the Hudsucker proxy, which is a genuinely nice and wonderful movie. yeah, uh, uh,
1: yeah, I love that is. movie. Yep.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: Oh, it's not on anybody's pile. No, no.
2: One of the things we might ought to consider for this show in future, I know we've gone way off book here, but one of the things we possibly ought to consider on uh, on this show in future is just sort of a general discussion of stuff that we want to have, a general discussion of uh, whether or not it involved seeing stuff that we hadn't seen. But again, given the premise of the show, that's obviously something that's going to have to be used sparingly.
0: Yeah. We'll talk about it off the, off the pod. Okay. <laughs> no. this, whole bit,
2: this whole sequence is getting cut, is what you're saying, <laughs> Mr. Editor. <laughs> <laughs> that being said. <laughs> we have fun on the pile, we do. Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, does anybody have any final thoughts on Synecdoche, New York?
3: Thank you. God, it's over. I mean, I think we talked about I mean, I'm, I mean, if you're really feeling like some self-punishment and some downer stuff, watch it. I mean, it's got some great visual stuff, and it's got some horrible, horrible visual stuff.
0: If you like child abuse, then watch this. Yeah, movie.
3: okay, yeah. <laughs> Ugh.
2: All right, well, uh, I, mean, oh, I was just going to say, if you're feeling down and want to stay there, no, this may be the movie for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recommend it, but I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> Shame. Oh, I'm
1: good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad it's off of my pile now.
0: Yeah. That'll about do it for us here on what's on the pile. Join us next week for Mank, the story of Herman J. Mankiewicz, writing Citizen Kane for Orson Welles, and Ed Wood, the story of the worst director of all time and his lovable dope-sick friends. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at What's on the Pile, or visit our website, whatsonthepile.com. Thanks for hanging out.